I just go with me on this journey. Because I think sometimes we in the Christian church, these words come off of our lips so easy, these profound truths that we actually believe. But we maybe need to pause and take a step back and say, do we really believe this? I mean, this is profound. It takes leaps of imagination to believe this and to trust this. Praise be to God by the power of the Holy Spirit we do. But these words, these things we believe, should never be become crystals. And so I'm asking you, when you say, I believe in God, what does that mean? To believe in God means to believe in a creator, which means that your life is not accidental, your life is not purposeful, but rather it's filled with purpose because there's been a creator. Now, at this point, I was going to show you a Something got lost. Let me describe it. Hit a horizon, southern hemisphere of the globe. You see a little light wiggle mark in the, the, the horizon, and that's Andromeda, the galaxy. Hubble Space Telescope is able to take pictures of that now. And so then that little galaxy gets blown up. And then we take a section of that galaxy, and that gets blown up. The camera keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So much so that it starts looking like stars. All of those are signs. Those aren't the planets yet. The planets you can't see. You're only seeing the stars. When God said to Abraham that I'll make you more abundant, your children more abundant than the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore, I never put those two together, that they could be the same. And I'm looking at this, it looks like a seashore full of stars. Unbelievable. And then it just kind of, the camera goes around that whole galaxy a little, at least that section, and then it draws back, draws back, draws back. And then you're left with the horizon again, a little smudge mark called a galaxy. And that's billions of galaxies, countless galaxies, each of them with countless suns and countless when you say, I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, that's what you're saying. That all of that has been created. And it's not purposeful. And it's not meaningless. <coughs> so the psalmist, he looked up to the heavens. <coughs> and there he went. King David said, when I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, and he didn't have the Hubble Space Telescope, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? Looking into the creation, the creation above us, makes us reflect about who this God is, does it not? So the psalmist is looking up. Can you go back to the next or the former slide? There we go. The psalmist is looking up. This is, in a sense, God looking down. Uh, this was a, a called the pale blue dot. Uh, the Voyager spacecraft was just leaving our solar system, and Carl Sagan asked NASA to turn the camera backwards and take a picture of the Earth. And there's here's the Earth. This is in a... Um, sunbeam or reflection off a camera lens with that long streak. There's the earth, pale blue dot. 
this maybe brings it into a little bit more of a scale we can imagine. We we can recognize that character of God in the earth, the first picture taken of our whole globe. We can see the curvature of the earth. This is the year, 50th year of the moon landing. Creation, the more it gets revealed, whether you're looking deeper, deeper, deeper into the microscopic pieces of the atom of the human cell, or whether you're looking upward, upward, upward into the heavens. And by the way, humans stand in that vast spectrum of scale. We stand in the middle. Looking small, looking big. If we're honest at all with what we're discussing, you have to get on your knees in repentance and in adoration. I suppose there are a couple other alternatives. One one is one that that most of humanity has done through the ages, and that is to create a a religion of animism out there, which paganism um, is essentially this, that the earth is filled with lots of energies, gods, spirits, you know, the spirit of childbirth or of stillbirth, the god of war or peace, of famine or harvest, you know, those important events that take place that we have no control over that can make life miserable or can make life good well those gods have to be placated and so we live in constant fear and constant placating and and sacrifice and pleasing god that's one way another way that you can react to this incredible world around us that unnerves us a bit is to do something entirely new in human history, which is to go secular, which means to believe that there's nothing out there. There is no God. This is all just material accident. There's a nothingness out there in this strange existence, and it's up to us to bring some sense of um, our own personal meaning to it. Now, Carl Sagan said this, speaking of the secular viewpoint, talking about that pale blue dot. If you look at it, you see a God. That's good. That's home. That's heaven. On it, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever lived, lived out their life. The aggregate of all our joys and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a night of rest, suspended in silence above the horizon. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic vacuum. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It's up to us. That's another alternative. But we believe in God, right? 
who has created all this. And we believe in one God, not many. But what about that one God that we believe in? Aren't these the real questions then as we look to this text? Do we matter? And if so, why? What sort of God is mindful of us? Is he an angry or kind God? Is he is this good news that he's mindful of us, paying attention to the inhabitants of that little blue dot? I guess the God who's mindful of us, the creator God who's paying attention to us for some unknown reason, is he good? Those are questions I think that touch every human heart. I certainly hope they're questions that you wrestled with a little bit when you say you believe in God. What sort of God? Well, God has given us the stars to see his handiwork, but he's given us more information than just the stars can provide. He's given us the Holy Bible. And so God reveals who he is, why he's mindful of us. These are the questions that this is God's answer to mess with our hearts. And so could we read this together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together. He's so mindful of the world, the people. He loves the world. Looking at us with kindness, so much so that he sent his son to save us. Why is he mindful of us? Because we need his saving. To further make the point, the next verse, we'll say it together. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Is it good news or bad news? Is he coming to condemn us or to save us? In Jesus we have both. And this is what we know of God through the writings of John and through all the apostles and and the Holy Scriptures that God is love, that God sent his own son into this world to save us, not to condemn us, that we could live forever. God came in human flesh. He visited this world the way we saw it. He took on our flesh, even the flesh of a peasant. Well, before he became a peasant, he was born an infant in a manger. And at the tail end of his life, he was crucified on the absolute utter extremes of of the margins of human history to be crucified as sinners. Why? Human flesh, living the life we should have lived, dying the death we all deserve, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, being buried, certainly the God who made all of that and also raised himself from the dead. And then it goes on to say, risen from the dead, that he ascended into heaven, he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and will come again to the pale blue dot. I'm not sure we're 
he is at the throne of God. I'm not sure where the heavens begin and end and what it means to be at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I, all we know is that, that, that what that means is he has now taken his place as the rightful king of, of heaven and earth. The whole universe is now his footstool. And this mighty, mighty God is coming back. And that's indeed our hope. In fact, we sang it early in our service. And so, Lord Jesus, come. It's the last prayer of the Bible. This mighty, loving God has come back again. The sheer scale of it is amazing. The sheer scale of what? The size of creation? We'll never, ever be able to begin to go, to, to think that we can master the mysteries of creation. The sheer scale of what? The majesty of God. We will never capture who God is. Who can fathom it? The sheer scale of can fathom that but Paul prays boldly for that very thing and it's our prayer as well for each other and it's our prayer for ourselves I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide Jesus himself in our parable account makes this point clear that God took on human flesh to save sinners applying the law and that there's great rejoicing in heaven over your salvation and over mine. Again, with our Hubble Space Telescope and what we know of space, I'm not sure where heaven begins and ends. I, I don't know either. That's all a mystery to me. But Jesus has said in heaven there's rejoicing over To know this love of God that is wide and long and high and deep, it can be a lifelong journey. And the more you discover how dependent you are on the grace of God, the more you're going to discover that that grace is inexhaustible. The difficulty we have with the grace of God, now if you think about that for a second, the difficulty with the grace of God, But we've made this issue difficult, and that comes from a few places, from God. We look at the heavens, and we say, how can such a big God care so gently, tenderly towards us? From us, you and I know we're undeserving of it. And from the world. Because we don't live in a great place. We breathe this air in. We have to live here. We get hardwired towards this non-great place. This air we breathe is toxic. 
with that name. Because at its best, this world operates as justice. The good get rewarded and the bad get punished. The hardworking get promotions and the lazy don't. At its worst, this world operates as shame. Abuse keeps lies imprisoned at home and the bullied make more bullies. Or the scars of being bullied make bullies. And somewhere in between this justice actually working and the ugly and violent power of shame in our brains, in between all of that is where the vast majority of our living takes place. We have learned to navigate this world that's not great, to make it work for us and to keep our nose clean. We have a problem with grace because grace will always be a second language to us. It's a history or a political documentary. It's kind of a first language to me. When my wife humors me and watches along with it, it's not her language. It's, it's a second language to her. But when we go to a music concert or something like that, see who can sing and play violin and piano and organ, uh, that's her first language. It's clearly a second or third language to me. Technology is a second language to me. I, I grew up in high school typing on a typewriter, and by the time I entered my career, computers were ubiquitous. But I didn't grow up with computers and typewriters. Technology will always be a second language to me. Grace is a second language to everyone in this room. Even though it's the very heart of the God who we say we believe in, we still find it hard to trust, don't we? Even though God has revealed his salvation, his grace in Jesus Christ, through his own living, dying, and rising, maybe you still struggle, and maybe every once in a while you wonder, is it really true? Just in an abstract sense, this Christian faith, but in a personal way when you're struggling. Let's try this. <clears throat> Is it true? How many of you, raise your hand, know what just happened? Okay, so this isn't that archaic of a reference point. Lucy tells Chuck or Charlie Brown, kick this football, I'll hold it for you. He does it all the time and all the time. He knows she's going to not do it, but he convinces herself this time she actually means it. And he does a long-running up to the ball, and then she lifts it up, and he falls on his back. Lucy promises, promises, I'll do it for you, and he trusts, and that ends up happening to Chuck Taylor. I guess my question is, the universe is not pulling a Lucy on us, is it? We're not a good conscience saying, we shouldn't do this, are we? The word of God is not pulling a Lucy on us, is it? Fellow Charlie Brown, fellow broken Downers, fellow sinners in need of God's grace, do you believe that God, the maker of all of this, is mindful of you in grace? 
because you know Jesus, his son and our Lord. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Let's stand together. One of the the joys of living in this part of the world is, um, especially as you get away from the Twin Cities a bit and the, the clouds disappear at night, that you can look up at the sky. And I pray that God will always give you eyes of wonder. Uh, wherever, whatever your vocation is, however you can explore his creation in, in, in your unique way, that he'll be looking up at the sky and all those wonders that he's created. And I think it's very natural for us to ponder who the creator is and to be in awe that we actually are made, that we actually share in his, his identity. He came as man. He knew us and we knew him. The stars can only tell us so much. The Bible, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has revealed how he is known. That he comes to us from heaven. And he has appeared to us later in Jesus. This is really good news. Believe it and Jesus will come. Speaking of believing, we get a chance to speak out <coughs> what we do believe. And so the next song, please stand with us, confess.